to be back. I am uh, so grateful and thankful for the concern and uh, care that was shown toward me. I've never had food poisoning before. That was a new experience. I didn't realize that's what it was. I kept thinking, well, this is going to be some little virus thing that's going to run its course, and uh, it actually took some nice, strong antibiotics. But uh, I want you to know, for those of you that were concerned about me with this ongoing thing that I might dry up and blow away, let me tell you, I got better in time for Thanksgiving, so it's all good. <laughs> any weight I lost, I've thankfully recovered. I mean, you know, I wouldn't want to lose any, so we're good. Well, one of the best things about the holidays is food, right? I mean, we we think about a lot of things now, the decorations and lights, like we were, the children were talking about. That's, that's awesome. I mean, I, I love to see, we do a little, but I love to see what other people, there's, there's a family on our street, they've gone next level. They've kind of got like a lighted canopy over their driveway now, and I'm like, y'all just putting us all to shame, you know, but hey, it, it's, it's pretty to watch and love to see the lights and the decorations. But, you know, the the food is, it's, it's a pretty nice part of the holidays as well. And, and we get into, we anticipate that food. We get to where we, um, we look forward to certain special recipes. And in fact, we, we share them a lot of times. I see on Facebook, I, I'm going to tell you, Linda Jenkins makes me hungry so often because she is always posting these recipes. And I'm thinking, you don't post that and then not bring me some. I mean, that's just not right for me to see how good that is. But, uh, you know, we, we like our recipes. We're, we're looking forward to, to mom's or grandmom's special recipe when it comes to Thanksgiving or Christmas. And this morning, I'd like to share a recipe. It's not an original for me. It's one that comes straight from God's word, and it is a recipe for hope. Because as we look at Jeremiah and the world that he was in and the, the situation that he was in, they needed hope pretty badly. His people were in the midst of exile. They were in the midst of a terrible time. Some of his folks had already been gone. They'd already been taken to Babylon. Many had been taken away. Some, like Jeremiah, were still in Jerusalem. But their king had, had raised himself up against Babylon. And so now they were under siege. Now that they were struggling with, there was going to be further devastation to the kingdom. And there wasn't a lot of hopefulness because they were under attack. They'd already lost before. People couldn't see how things were going to get better. But Jeremiah gives us, through the words of the Lord that were spoken to him, a recipe for hope that we can take, and thousands of years later, we can actually use this recipe in our lives. Our scripture reading today comes from Jeremiah 33, verses 14 through 16. And if you're physically able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Jeremiah 33 Verses 14 through 16. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line, and he will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord 
our righteous Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look back on these ancient believers who lived in Israel under the Old Covenant, and they lived in a time in which they knew there were great promises, and yet they could not see the fulfillment of those promises. They lived in difficult, depressing, dreary days. Lord, we see in your word how your prophet spoke a word of hope. And Lord, we pray as we live in a time which is difficult, which is beset by economic and political and and medical and, and all sorts of problems in this world, all sorts of difficulties. Father, help us to see your hope for our lives. We pray and ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, this is a simple recipe. Any, any of you ever judge recipes by the number of ingredients and the, and the length of it? You say, that's, oh, no, that's just too much, you know? But then you turn and you find one that's... Let's just go to the, the pulpit mic. This one's gone out. So, so here we are, and this is a simple recipe. This is one of those quick and easy in terms of the recipes. There's just three things that go into this recipe for hope. The first thing is one part patience. To have hope, the first ingredient is patience. Patience is, uh, it's not one of those things we go looking for, is it? Like, do any of y'all pray for patience? We need patience. We want patience when we're going through long time, hard times. But none of us are like, God, would you just please teach me patience? I'm getting everything too quick and too easy, Lord. This is not good for me. Teach me a little patience. No, none of us pray that prayer. Or if you do, you're weird. I mean, that's just not normal. Maybe you're just more spiritual than me. We, we need patience, but we don't want it or desire it at times. And, and yet we have to learn that our, our uh, spiritual life is not one of immediate gratification. Patience. He says here in the very first verse we read, The days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will fulfill the good promise. Isn't it interesting what he says here? He says, hey, good news is ahead. (laughs) I'm going to do something great in the future. So right now, you have to sit tight. Right now, you have to hold on. Right now, you have to carry on. Because there's good news about something that will be happening. And so often we see the good news of the gospel and and we do understand the immediate part of it. That is, as soon as we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. As soon as we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we have a relationship with God for eternity. And that is immediate. But so many of the benefits of salvation are things that come later and over time and we have to wait for them. You know, we often quote from Jeremiah. We like Jeremiah. We like what he said in chapter 29, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And we are encouraged when we read those words. 
But we often leave out the context. And the context was there was a bunch of false prophets who were out there saying, hey, you're going to throw off these Babylonians the next day. You're going you're gonna to break free. You're going to bust free. You don't have to worry about being patient. Everything's about to be cured. And Jeremiah, the one true prophet, was saying, no, no, no. God has said this exile is going to last 70 years. And that, that hope and a future is that eventually in 70 years you're going to leave and you're going to come back. But you're going to be exiled for all that time. And I'm going to watch over you while you're going through this difficult situation. While you're going through this hardship, I'm still going to be with you. But I'm not about to just, you know, snap my fingers and make it all go away. And see, we misread so many times. We'll say, oh, a hope and a future. God, you're about to do something amazing tomorrow. And God says, I've got something amazing for you, but it's going to come in my time, not your time. So this first uh, ingredient in developing the hope is a, a patience and an understanding that God's timing is his own. And it doesn't align with our desires and our way of thinking. The second, the second ingredient in hope is realism. So we need one part patience. We need one part realism. Now, so far, these are not real uplifting and, and, and exciting uh, things, right? Patience, realism. You know, we think, uh, oh, hope. Because our world's desire, our world's, excuse me, definition of hope is often wishful thinking. Often the world equates I hope something with I wish that it happens. It's kind of a fantasy world where we just make up and, well, I hope I get a Lamborghini tomorrow, you know, or I, I hope that there's I'm getting a new house for Christmas, you know, something like we've seen on some kind of Hallmark channel where it's sappy, but it's all going to come together and be perfect at the end. But that's not what biblical hope is about. Biblical hope, while it is positive, it is grounded in realism. Think about uh, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, how he wrote so many letters and he, he talked about, hey, this, these present momentary troubles that we're going through, they're nothing compared to the glory which we shall receive. Was Paul living some kind of high-flying, highfalutin life? No, Paul was in prison. He was in jail. He was recovering from being stoned and whipped and beaten and shipwrecked and all the things he went through. His hope about what God was going to do was not grounded in his current circumstances or in ignoring his, curtains, certain, uh, his circumstances and trying to make up something else. There was a reality that accepted what life was like. The same thing applies for Jeremiah. If you go back to the beginning of, chap of chapter 33, it will tell you, it'll say, oh yeah, the Lord came to visit Jeremiah again for the second time while he was bound by the king's guard. In other words, Jeremiah was in jail. You know why Jeremiah was in jail? Because he spoke the truth. Now, it's a, it's a scary world we live in. There are, there are places in this world where you will be put in jail. For telling the truth. There are places where you'll be persecuted for telling the truth. We want to be people of truth. God teaches us to be people of truth. But being truthful is not always the easy thing to do. And Jeremiah, simply for telling the truth, when God said, guess what, folks? 
You're not about to get rescued from Babylon. In fact, he told them, don't even fight Babylon because they're doing what I told them to do. This is part of the chastisement. This is part of the discipline that I planned for you. I warned you and I warned you and I warned you and you didn't listen. And so he said, Jeremiah, um, I got a popular message I want you to preach, Jeremiah. You just tell the people they're going to remain under the oppression of the Babylonians. And you know what? The king didn't like that. And the king threw him in the palace dungeon under the palace guard. Jeremiah was not making these pie-in-the-sky things up. He knew the reality of what was happening. And that's why it was something that would come in the future, not immediately today. One part patience, one part realism, and then the third and final ingredient is one part trust. One part trust. Let's go back and read these verses again. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. He was telling the people, yes, there is going to be a great king that is going to rescue you, Israelites. You citizens of Jerusalem, you citizens of Judah, yes, a king is going to rescue you, but it's not the one that's on the throne right now. It's a coming king who's greater. And you have to trust me, Israelites. You have to look back and see what I've done in your lives, in your country. Remember when you were in Egypt and I brought you out. Remember when you came into the promised land and I told you to walk around that city of Jericho. And you thought, this is crazy. God ever put something on your heart and you thought, God, this is crazy. I bet those Israelites thought that when they were walking around Jericho. I bet the citizens of Jericho thought that too. I remember when my children were little, we used to watch VeggieTales. And in the VeggieTale version of that whole story about Jericho, the people of Jericho, they threw Slurpees on the Israelites. Can you imagine that, getting Slurpees thrown on you? I mean, that's tough sometimes when you're trusting God to take care of you and you're following him. And it doesn't seem to make sense. But God says, you got to trust me. You got to hold on. You got to reach out and, and just take on, you know, what I say on faith. That I will, just as I've taken care of you in the past, I will take care of you in the future. So to develop the hope that we need, it comes from this combination of seeking patience of patiently waiting on the Lord, of being realistic, not going into a fantasy world, not, not this version of Christianity that paints a smile on our face and acts like, hey, everything's all awesome all the time. Being realistic, but trusting and believing and holding on. You know, have you ever noticed that if you take a recipe and if you were to just put the individual ingredients together and eat them one at a time that some of them wouldn't be so good. You know, we know that raw eggs goes into cookie dough. 
And it's going to be a great cookie eventually. But nobody wants to take that raw egg, do they, Waverly, and just pop it in their mouth. That does not taste good. It is putting it all together where it happens. And the patience and the realism, those aren't always pleasant. I'm reminded of of an experience from my childhood. Uh, I don't know why, but when I was a child, I had no fear of heights whatsoever. I love to climb everything. Mom said they had to get rid of the baby bed way quicker than they wanted to because I would just flop out of that thing and hit the ground and roll and go running. I mean, and the same thing, as soon as I was old enough to stand on a little stool or a little chair, I'd get up in the cabinets because I quickly found where the chocolate chip Uh, the chocolate chips were stored and I found where I could get into them and mom had to learn to hide those where I where I couldn't find them and get into those but one day she slipped up because I saw uh, when the cabinet was open one day and she was reaching for something I saw a huge candy bar I mean one of the biggest Hershey bars I'd ever seen in my life and I thought I'm just wait till mom goes out to check on the garden and 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 I'm going to get to that and I pushed my chair up there and I climbed on the chair I climbed on the counter I leaned and reached and I got that candy bar and I was so excited and I bit into that thing and then I spit for about 5 minutes because it was unsweetened chocolate <laughs> baking chocolate I didn't know what baking chocolate was but I found out that day You see, I thought it was going to be great because I'd seen her use that baking chocolate in recipes and the things that she came out with tasted great. But I didn't know that the sweetness was missing. As we have to hold on with patience, as we have to deal with reality, it is the sweetness of trusting God that brings it all together. We sing a hymn that says, "'Tis so sweet." to trust in Jesus. And as we in our lives can develop that sweetness and instead of looking at God with fear or distrust and saying, I don't know if I can believe you. I've been hurt before. I don't know if I can trust you. When we learn to embrace trusting God, that adds the sweetness to our lives, that adds the flavor so that it comes along to that patience and to that realism And it develops a certain and solid hope that God is in control and that even though things are tough right now, he's got something good planned for us in the future. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we all want what we want when we want it. We all are attentive to our own desires and we want them to be fulfilled right away. And yet, God, that's not what you've chosen for us. That's, that's not what you and your wisdom have decided is best for us. But, Lord, you have chosen that we would be made more like your son, Jesus, as we go through hardships and difficulties, as we learn to wait, as we patiently face the realities of our lives, and, God, as we simply trust in you. And God, I pray that we would embrace that recipe for hope. Lord, even as these holiday times are really sweet and special and lots of reasons, for a lot of us, they're actually really tough and difficult as well. Because there's some holes, there's some hardships, there's some difficulties. And Father, if we are to make it through, if we are to 
embrace and even overcome through these holiday seasons and days, Father, it'll be because we look to you for our hope. It'll be because we find our joy in trusting you in celebrating what you've done and looking forward to what you will do. And I pray that you would gift us with that heart and that mindset as we think about all that you have in store for us. God, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this-